Welcome to the Reminders of Grace podcast. The Reminders of Grace podcast exists to provide a reference for truth, promote a refocus on the gospel, and provoke a profound reminder of grace for our lives today. I am your host, my name is Derek, and I want to welcome you to the show. My desire is that you have been encouraged and helped by an episode here on the Reminders of Grace podcast. If you happen to just be joining us, welcome into a space where we will seek to assign even greater value to the grace that we've been given and the grace we need to give. Last episode, I got to take a break from content and allow a dear friend to speak into a subject that he doesn't just know, he lives. And so I'm so grateful for my church's worship leader, Kyle Walker, coming on and visiting with us. If you haven't had the opportunity to check out that episode, Worship for the Ages, I challenge you to do so as you are able. I fully expect and believe that it will encourage you. This episode, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. It by no means is meant to be a lengthy episode. Of course, none of them really are, but this one will air more on the short side for sure. As we approach the end of the year, and we've mentioned this before on a previous episode, we will undoubtedly engage with family and friends or even people that we are just meeting for the very first time around a table or in a shared space. We'll swap stories from this past year that has literally flown by. We'll share things that we are grateful for. We'll begin to set goals for the new year. We'll anticipate getting just what we wanted or what we needed as a gift. But without a doubt, you may share a conversation with someone about something that you, or at the very most, a portion of those present, but not everybody present, holds as an opinion, holds as a preference, holds as a perspective or a viewpoint. It may cause ripples, it may cause waves or rifts, but you'll share them. And maybe, just maybe, if you've taken some advice from this podcast, you'll seek to have those conversations anyway. Because even if it's a difficult conversation, it may still be a conversation that needs to be had. And it's not because you're trying to be divisive. It's not because you want to ruin the holiday spirit, but... Because these conversations are important, and because this past year has opened your eyes to some things, because you can no longer stay silent about some other things, because you really, truly want to learn more, you'll talk about it. And you'll engage in that conversation. And so, on this episode, I want to invite you into a burden that I have. Now, this is not something that I would normally do. But because I love you, I will allow it. Sharing a burden is something that, I'll be honest, I hesitate to do. But it's something that I can do. But that's not only what this is. I am inviting you to examine this burden. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to challenge you to willingly choose to pick up this burden and carry it with me. So we'll just get that out of the way now so it's not awkward when we get to the end. I will be asking you to pick up this burden and carry it with me. And that's a big ask. And I certainly don't want you to think that I'm asking lightheartedly or flippantly. I know that I am asking you to bear the heavy weight of something that you don't technically have to carry. But I 
will try to defend over the next few moments why you should. And I really want for you to strongly consider it before you maybe outright say no. Ready? Let's get after it. Question. What comes to your mind when I say the word unity? If you had all said the word sameness, identical, or no difference, something along that line, can I tell you something? You have not defined unity. You have defined uniformity. And what's more, they are not the same thing. Now, here's what we need to establish. Unity gets a really bad rep. But I believe it gets a bad reputation because it gets a bad definition. Unity does not mean that two people are exactly the same. This reality is really no more evident than in a marriage relationship. Even if you've arrived at this episode and you are engaged or you're dating, it's not going to take you long to realize, if you haven't already, that you two are not the same. You're not identical. There for sure is a difference. And I don't even mean the obvious outer ones. I mean the personality ones, the motive ones, the deep spiritual and deep psychological ones. My wife and I are so different. She lives right around 95 plus decibels and is extroverted and super relational. And every single one of those things I love about her so very much but they are not me at all. I'm more reserved. I'm more introverted. I prefer more dynamic speaking. And I imagine that she loves those things about me. We aren't exactly the same. And guess what? That doesn't, shouldn't, and won't stand as reason why we lack unity. And maybe this isn't all that life-changing for you. Maybe you feel like, yeah, it's pretty obvious. But the reality is, far too often in our lives, we don't live like that's the case. Even amongst the 12 Jewish men that physically walked with and followed Jesus on this earth, they messed this up. One day they tell Jesus, Jesus, we saw some people that were doing real miracles in your name. And we told them, Stop. And we told them, you're doing it wrong. And here's why we told them. Because, well, they weren't following us. And Jesus literally settled this confusion between unity and uniformity for us. He says, do not forbid him. Don't tell him no. Don't tell him he's wrong. Don't stop him from doing it. Jesus said, for who is not against us is for us. In that Jesus is saying, in essence, it might look different. It might not be what you thought it was. It might not fit in your box or align with your journey identically. But if he's not against me, he's for me. And in that Jesus is also delineating something for us that's super important is that it's him or it's not. It's not part-time Jesus and part-time other things. It is him. Or it is not. It's not that we can experience the benefits that come from a relationship with Jesus without actually having a relationship with Jesus. 
the most important point about unity as we move forward into kind of applying this and fleshing this out. The most important point about unity is that it only happens when there is at least one single greatest unifier. The most important point about unity is that it only happens when there is at least one single greatest unifier. For example, the reason why super teams, as far as like in professional sports, the reason why some of these teams work is not because of the immense amount of talent that suits up and plays. Now, that may be a factor in a small way, but it's because that they have agreed that one thing matters most and that one thing, that single greatest unifier, is winning. And we've seen it happen where it's not like that, right? You get these people together and one of them wants to win and two of them want to collect a paycheck and one of them wants to build their numbers. But unless they come together under one single unifier, the success may come temporarily, but it won't be sustainable. And churches can be like that too sometimes, right? Say with me, when we as Christians or as followers of Jesus realize that the main unifier for us, the single greatest unifier for us, is the gospel. It's Jesus. It makes it so much easier to see the growth that Jesus brings in his church and then to celebrate that. But if we get into it and we are more hung up on the music, on the lights, on the screens, on the seats, on the carpet, on the attire, on other non-essential things, we will full-on miss what God is doing. Or here's what's even worse. We'll think that when it happens... We are the ones doing it, that we've somehow manufactured this because it is exactly how we would want it to be. So from here, where do we go? Practically speaking, in the 21st century and in maybe what would be considered like a post-postmodern society that is bent on everyone believing and behaving however they want as individuals, while somehow simultaneously demanding that everyone believe and behave the same. How do we exist? How do we find and maintain, as the title of this episode suggests, unity in a culture of uniformity or in a culture of conformity, where they either want you to be the same or they want you to change so that you are the same. And so in a day when many want to praise you for being what they would consider, quote, forward or out of the box or an anti-normative thinker, they may even condemn you in the very next breath or even cancel you for rejecting that, quote, new normal. So how do we find unity? I'm glad you asked. Remember what we said about unity, it only happens when there is at least one single greatest unifier. So in a day when the unifier constantly changes, what do you imagine will happen to that unity? It'll dissolve. It'll fail to hold together. If our single greatest unifier is the person or the political party that is in office or in power, what happens when that person is no longer in office? What happens when that party fails us? What happens when that person can no longer meet the needs that we bring to them? If our single greatest unifier is a clamor for social justice, what happens when that justice is denied? What happens when it's delayed? What happens when it's deterred? If our single greatest unifier is the perceived inherent goodness, 
that we feel may exist in people, what happens when people speak, act, and react in ways that prove, hey, that's just not the case? So here's where we're going with this. If something that is changeable is our single greatest unifier, when that changes, we will always be left to fill in the blanks and pick up the pieces. We'll be left to fill in the blanks where it has been silent and we'll be left to pick up the pieces where it has left us broken. For me, though, it's Jesus. It's the gospel. If we can't start there, if we can't unite there on who he is, on his unmerited, undeserved, and unearned kindness and favor being shown to us through his death on the cross, on his triumphant resurrection from the grave, never to die again, on his eternal and his earned title as the only worthy king of the ages, if we can't start there and say, this is what will unify us as our single greatest unifier over and above all other things, then we're going to be left to fill in the blanks and pick up the pieces. The reason why the single greatest unifier is so important is because in times of disagreement, in times of friction, in times when uniformity just doesn't and maybe even cannot exist, unity can still happen if we go back to that unifier. So I want to provide you with some helpful tips for engaging in these difficult conversations, especially with people we might disagree with. The first one is be humble. Be humble. Can I say this? We ought to be willing to be wrong. This goes against every single fiber of our being because we hate being wrong. It's not something that we live in well. But when we engage in community with people through conversation, through messages, through whatever mediums that we have at our disposal, we have to be willing to be wrong. We have to be humble enough to admit that we're wrong or that we don't know everything. And this is crucial because what I'm not saying is be willing to admit that you're wrong when you are living in the truth. If someone comes to you and says two plus two is five, I'm not saying that you have to be willing to say, I, I could be wrong. You don't have to be willing to be wrong when you're dealing with the truth. We live in the truth that two and two makes four. But when it comes to perspective, when it comes to preferences, when it comes to opinions, though, we have to be willing to be wrong. We have to be humble. We have to be willing to literally say, but you know what? I may not have all the answers, but you know what? I could be wrong on this, which leads us to the next point. And that's that we need to be willing to learn, unlearn, and relearn. This is such a big deal to me. It's something that over the last four years, I've really grown to understand more and more. My father would tell me growing up, Derek, you don't know what you don't know. And at the time, I was like, but I know everything because I was the worst. But anyway, I realized over time that what he meant was there are things that I don't know that I don't even know that I don't know them because I've never encountered them. And I challenge you with the same words. Don't presume that everyone views the world and the situations and circumstances in it exactly like you do. So many factors that you've never considered and honestly, 
there are so many factors that maybe you've never even had to consider. Those things may be involved and you've never even had to think about it. So just be willing to learn. And at the same time, be willing to unlearn. Whether it's stereotypes or marginalization or prejudices, those exist in arenas, of course, beyond race and gender, but not excluding race and gender. So be willing to unlearn some things. And with that, be willing to relearn some things. Be willing to relearn some things that maybe you have forgotten. Some things that you were taught, that you understood, but other influences have caused you to forget them. It happens. And it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the story or the discussion because you've forgotten. So just be willing to relearn them. Next, refuse to attack. Refuse to attack. You know what's crazy? Is we sometimes view conversation like war. Someone has to be louder, stronger, faster, smarter, and at the end, victorious. But why can't conversation just be conversation? Why can't it be a way to move towards unity? We lose all opportunity, credibility, and sanity when we attack people. If your defense rests on you calling someone a name or attacking them, you're better off not saying anything. You will gain more and lose less that way, I promise. This is such an incredibly important point that can't be overstated. Read the comments of a post regarding a controversial topic, and I promise you within 30 seconds, you'll find someone that said something, someone else who disagreed, and then proceeded to call that first person a name or to get angry. People say things like those dumb R's or those stupid L's, and they're not even realizing that opportunity, credibility, and sanity, they're literally being shot. And if everyone was an R or a D or an L, then we would have uniformity, but more than likely, we would still somehow lack unity, because that's not the answer. Which leads us to the last one. Bear the burden of bringing it back to the single greatest unifier. Bear the burden of bringing it back to the single greatest unifier. This is where you came in, remember? We've taken the loop all the way around. This is the burden I desire to carry. It's not a bad burden, but it is heavy. If you can't come back to that single greatest unifier... That at the end of the day, hey, we're family. We love each other unconditionally, even if we disagree on these things. We're friends, and there's nothing that I wouldn't do for you or that you wouldn't do for me. We're church members, and there's no battle that we can't face together on our knees. We're followers of Jesus, and nothing is bigger, more important sweeter, and more beautiful than him. If you can't come back to that, if we, in a conversation, if it gets so heated, if it gets to a point where it's so important that we're right, if it gets to the point where we're unwilling to learn, if it gets to the point where we're literally attacking each other, if we can't come back to that point, 
will be left to fill in the blanks and pick up the pieces. So will you carry this with me? This holiday season and every season moving forward when you gather around the table or the living room and the conversation turns to elections, vaccines, social justice and equality, etc. Don't think, yeah, that conversation has no place here with my friends and family. Don't think, yeah, unless you agree with me, I don't want to hear it. Because don't we exist in a culture that says get with what we're saying or get out? Don't we live in a culture that says shout what we're shouting or shut up? And maybe you're listening and you wouldn't really consider yourself a follower of Jesus or a Christian. And can I tell you that there's nothing that says you have to be like that. Just because you would not be a Christian or a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that you have to be like that. But if you are a Christian, can I tell you, that should never be the case for you. That should never be the case for us. Because what it does is it closes the door to opportunity. And we don't need less opportunity. We need exponentially more. If you would not consider yourself a follower of Jesus or a Christian, as you've listened, maybe you have questions. That's a good place to be. I want to encourage you to reach out. In just a moment, I'll let you know some ways that you can do that. Know that this is a place where you will be loved and you will find grace for wherever you are in life. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, tell me about it. There are a few ways that you can connect with me by email at remindersofgracepodcast at gmail.com. That's reminders with an S of gracepodcast at gmail.com. In addition, you can find a link to my socials in the info section of this episode. Also, if you could please do me a favor and be sure to leave a review and then click on that subscribe or follow button wherever you engage with the podcast to be certain that you never miss an episode. As you head into your week, as you navigate through your journey, as you face whatever you face, or as you seek to live on mission, be reminded of his grace and know that no matter what, It is always, every single time, greater still.